everybody and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and I know I say this every single episode, but this may in fact be the most important and monumental episode that we have ever done on this podcast. And I say that because we're going to be talking about one of the greatest movies, one of the greatest films of all time, something that we merely hinted at during our decade in review And in order to fully grasp and understand the majesty of this movie, I have a very special guest here with me, my own brother, Stephen. Welcome. How are you? I'm great. Can't wait to talk about the number one movie ever made. Yeah, I think it's it's funny because this is something where I've grown to love this movie more. Every time I watch it, I like it more. I love it more. I seem to find new things that I didn't notice. And there was, and I'm sure you remember this, there was a, uh, I wouldn't call it a dark period, but there was a time in my life where I was thinking Avengers Endgame was at the top of my list and uh, struggling with that of, you know, oh man, this movie just hits different. And, uh, you know, when I, when we watched this again for the anniversary, I was just, I was smiling to myself because I was like, what was I even thinking? Like, there's, there's no, there's no comparison to this movie. I think this movie will always be my favorite movie ever, just because, like I said, it's very, it's so nuanced and it's so ethereal and, and obviously we'll dive into all of that, but uh, yeah. So thank you so much for being on for this. I know we talk about this movie all the time. We actually have a lot of history with this movie too. Did you see this in theaters? We did. That was uh, a, when it uh, first came out oh god no that's what i was gonna say i don't think no. we did alex i would have been what maybe 18 17 or 18 there's no way i would have seen a movie like this i know i don't think i i didn't even know this movie existed until uh well i think you had showed told me about it you were like hey i watched this movie it's an incredible movie and you need to see it and you'd let me borrow it and that was that was back in like 2016 so it had already been like five years since the film came out. And I remember watching it and being like, how did I not know this movie existed? But I just, right. I, I didn't even grasp it on that first watch. Like, I was just like, what did I see? And it really is a movie that you have to watch multiple times to truly feel the majesty of it. But yeah, no, we, we never saw it in theaters, but we did go see it uh, for a, it was really cool. It was like a special engagement for, wasn't it for like sci-fi and science? Something yeah, I like think that. it was some um, school project. It was some showcase they were doing related to time. And I think That's they were right. screening a bunch of time-related movies. Yeah, and, and that was at the was. Alamo Draft House. Yes. That was a, a great day. And that was so cool, too, because it was like a special showing. I think, the, I think it was like a $10 ticket, too. And I was like, That's a steal. And it was, it was so good watching it there. And then, you know, we, we had seen... Uh, through Criterion, all of the Terrence Malick movies uh, there, right? Of like, you know, Days of Heaven, Badlands, New World, Thin Red Line. And so I think we, you know, we'd kind of talked of like, it's only a matter of time until, funny enough, that uh, Tree of Life comes to Criterion. And so we'd been waiting very patiently for it. And when that movie got announced, I feel like, I feel like every time they announce their new slate of movies for the, you know, the upcoming month, there's maybe one where you're like, oh, okay, you know, that's a good one for them to pick. But when this one came out, I was like, finally, this is, and, and the fact that they, they, it is chock full of special features and they are robust special features. And not only that, but you get that extended edition that is supervised by Malik. That is like, 
think it's like what 40 minutes 50 minutes longer it's like a little over yeah. three hours right mm-hmm. yeah just just phenomenal and now we just have to wait for voyage of time to come on the criterion but stevie we'll, we'll just start right off the bat with you know what what does this movie mean to you like what you know when you see it what what's the review you would give of this movie hmm. um the one thing that i always think is like whenever i watch it it kind of makes all other movies seem crass in comparison which is i mean not super fair not super literal but it's one of these things where i'm like man, I feel like no other movie deserves to exist when there's something this good out there. Like, it's, yeah. it's, to me, it's on such a different plane of creativity. And it's the sort of thing that obviously a lot of people don't understand or they just don't like. It, it strikes them as pretentious. Uh, a lot of people call Malick's movies perfume commercials or whatever. And I can see it completely in here. But, you know, for the people that do get it, who are willing to you know, submit to that style. And if you can connect with the story, it's just, there's nothing else like it for me. Yeah. It, uh, there were one of the special features someone had talked about, and I, I loved this, uh, cause I do this a lot in work of like, you know, when you're analyzing data or you're getting data to, you know, figure out a problem, whatever it is to prove something's going on. Uh, you know, you want to, you want to catalog all of the instances and then you want to kind of document the outliers, right? Like you want to say, okay, you know, this, this sort of thing that you're doing happens this amount of times, but then there are certain times where it happens a little bit less. There's times where it happens a little bit more. And it's funny, they, they talk about that in one of the special features of this movie being a one-off. And I'd never really thought of it that way. And, you know, as I was watching it, it really hit me of like, you could kind of categorize that for film as well like looking at the data of film there's a lot of great films out there you know and and despite reviews of the films in terms of you going and sitting in a movie theater and watching a movie and being fully entertained and again it's it's different for everyone right it's very subjective but i would say like we just said avengers endgame uh top of my head is <laughs> hobbs and shaw uh hobbs and shaw, hobbs and shaw uh quiet place part two Corella, I mean, take your pick of all these movies. They're all they're all in their own right and way, really good movies and enjoyable, fun to go see. And that's your that's the bulk of your data when you're looking at films. It's like you've got all of these films in these spots. Now, I would argue maybe something like Avengers Endgame is a little higher on that that curve or on that scale. Uh, but then you put you, you look at Tree of Life, and that movie is so far above these other things that. I see what you're saying and I totally get that of when I'm watching this movie, it feels like no other movie exists. And I love that feeling. But at the same time, I love the idea that there's so few movies like this, that it kind of goes back to that idea from Incredibles where he says, well, if everyone's super powered, then no one is. And I feel like if every movie was at the level of tree of life, it would get lost in the weeds sort of thing. And so to have a film like this, to have such a beautiful one-off, is is just amazing especially when you go and look at you know all the time not just the time that he put into this movie but the time that he took to prepare this movie because this thing had been in his head for like 10 years right yeah i think he was working on this maybe even started working on it in that gap between uh days of heaven and thin red line yeah so it was longer than 10 years probably like 30 years i mean i don't know how much filming or anything he did at that time but i know he had the idea a while back so it was sort of i mean i think his magnum opus and 
to me, like thinking about it in terms of whether it's a one-off, like I think stylistically, there's a lot of movies that are kind of like this. Not a lot, a lot, but obviously Malick's movies, I think Tarkovsky's movies, they all kind of are impressionistic, which I think is cool because, you know, broadly, you know, film as an art form is mostly literal, right? Everything's kind of intellectually delivered. It's it's all kind of the same format with plot and all this. Mm-hmm. But when you compare it to like another art form, like painting, for example, you have all sorts of painting and then there's like a whole field of like abstract, impressionistic, all this stuff. Yeah. There's not as much of that in film. And I think this is sort of in that way, you know, it deviates from the norm with movie making. And I think for me, the reason this one is a standalone is because it's a combination of that and the fact that the story is something that I can connect with. And I know it's something you connect with too. Yeah. Yeah. Almost, you know, down to the wire sort of thing. And I, I totally see what you're saying as well. And it's funny because when you think about those abstract type movies, and I think they even talk about that in one of the special features that there are scenes from mirror from the mirror that are in this movie, I think in around, uh, what was it? The, uh, the floating, her floating when she's floating in the air. I think maybe they were saying there was a scene in, in there. They, they called out a bunch of other very abstract movies that he had kind of drawn some inspiration on, but when I know there's, um, there's some shots of like, uh, what would you call it? Like weeds or reeds in the water moving around. And that's pretty much a direct reference to, I want to say Solaris. There's some shots like that. that um, obviously, I mean, He's got to be a fan of Tarkovsky. There's no question. Oh, for sure. And and a lot of those films are and not necessarily Tarkovsky's films, but a lot of those more abstract films. I think people don't like them because it it requires you to do more than what you're typically used to going to the movies, which is it can be good or bad. I mean, you know, if you're wanting to just go see a very clean cut, straightforward movie, you don't have to do a lot of thinking on. Uh, this may not be the movie for you, but at the same time, what I love about tree of life is that is what this, at least for me. And I know for you too, that it feels like that where it's like this abstract movie where I also have to do very little thinking because the movie just makes sense to me on like a cellular level, because there's so much in this that's reminiscent of our childhood. And the, the, just the whole idea of this movie essentially being one long memory it, yeah. once you kind of grasp that and wrap your head around that, it's a very easy movie to watch. Cause you just sit there and you experience it like you would sit and think about a memory, but to somebody who's maybe not as well-versed in those types of things, or again, maybe hasn't had that same sort of upbringing. Uh, it may be a little more difficult, but I just think that the way that he kind of sets everything up and paces it uh, to some, again, it may seem kind of weird or like, okay, where'd that scene come from? But when you think about it from that memory aspect, it's like all of that makes so much sense of like cut all the quick cuts. Cause you, you, when I first watched this movie, I was like, why is Sean Penn even in this movie? But then like the third or fourth time that I'm watching, I'm like, oh man, it makes so much sense. The whole movie is Sean Penn, right? Like this entire thing is his memories and you're getting to see these glimpses of his life as a kid. And so, yeah, Sean Penn isn't in it that much, but in a, in a way his character is the entire movie. 
And I didn't catch that on the first viewing, but it, it took a couple. So there's, there is those, those nuances again, that you may miss on a first time through. And I, I saw a thing here that said like at the Cannes film festival, uh, there was an equal amounts of booing and cheering uh, when the movie ended, which I think is very, yeah, of course, yes, very accurate. And <laughs> I, I mean, and it's very reminiscent too of you've got it sitting at a meta score of an 85, which is really high. Uh, but it's uh, IMDb score with almost 170,000 is 6.8, which is kind of low. So there really is a, a divide of people. And, and I think that's for all of Malick's movies. There's just, and it, it's funny because, you know, you see like Chloe Zhao is now, now, you know, the way that Tarkovsky probably inspired uh, Malik, you know, Malik is now inspiring a new generation of filmmakers in that same vein, and people are loving those movies. So I, I would be curious if Malik is going to be one of those Tarkovskys where I personally, and I'm sure you agree, he's already that, but to some of the younger audience that is, because I know a lot of younger people who really like Chloe Zhao's movies, and I'm always telling them like, hey, if you like those, you need to check out Malik's movies because he inspired them. And I could see those people really liking Malik's movies. So he could easily become one of those Tarkovsky's in the future of like, this guy was so far ahead of his time sort of thing where people just didn't appreciate it while, while it was around. Well, it's just, you know, it's a different, it's almost like a different language because, yeah, you know, typical movies, there's always something to follow, right? You're talking about the idea of someone turning their brain off or on during a movie. I mean, the, any traditional movie, there's going to be maybe dialogue in every scene. There's some plot point that you're, you know, progressing through. And so it's, you know, it's linear. There's something to follow. You don't have to do a whole lot of work. And I don't think you have to do a lot of work in these kinds of movies either, but it's a completely different experience because you're just, you're sitting there and you're just seeing things happen it's not really there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason to things sometimes it's just it's that's i i use the term impressionistic when i talk about this movie for that reason mm -hmm. i think it's funny when you know i used to talk about this with i think it was andrew and alden you know they would talk about it being like i think alden might use the term pseudo intellectual trying to you know but i think that it's not intellectual at all it's more emotional right where mm, yes. traditional movies are more intellectual in terms of trying to convey some story or you know with monologues and all this stuff there's a little bit of that in malik movies but it's always very uh, rough and it's just like a character saying something to themselves that sometimes we laugh at because it sounds like a silly statement but it's like that's more akin to what might actually be going through a regular person's head and that, you know, it's funny you say that because maybe that's a piece of it as well is like the whole, when I go to the movies, I'm not, I'm not going there to think, right? Like I'm going there to, to escape, to lose myself. And when you have, when you're pressed with a movie like this, and it doesn't matter whether you were again, raised in Texas uh, and, and growing up and whatever it is, uh, you know, th those emotions may be uncomfortable for some people who are less inclined to be in their emotions sort of thing. To, so to see a movie like this, and maybe they are having stirrings inside themselves of like, you know, oh, this makes a lot of sense, but I don't want to acknowledge that because that's not why I'm here. Like, that's not why I came to watch this movie. I didn't come here right. to have some, you know, emotional moment with the people sitting around me sort of thing. And so I think it, it's funny. I would almost tell anybody who hasn't seen this movie, I would almost prep them in advance because I feel like it's, it, it's very easy to go down that route for someone who isn't prepared to experience that sort of thing. Uh, would you say the same? 
Yeah, and I don't know what you can really do to prepare somebody, but I mean, I you can just you say gotta, that. You like, just got to give them the disclaimer. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's obviously it's not. You have to be ready for the fact that there's not really a hard plot. I mean, there's a few plot points that you can follow, but it's, I mean, it's just things happening. It's just like a panorama of you know this one person's life and childhood, and you've got all the cosmic stuff, the birth of everything. So it, you just have to go with it and be prepared. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really all you could say. You know, it's funny too. I know when we were talking in the car ride the other day, I had said, uh, if I had to give, I think I, my wording was if a gun was put to my head and I had to give a one sentence review of this movie of what the movie is actually about. And I had said that it's a, it's a character study of the universe on a macro and micro level. And I laughed so hard because when I was watching the special features, one of the producers said that. And I was like, oh, I, was, that was like the first time that I have ever actually, you know, aligned with what it seemed like that's what they were trying to talk about. And I saw a piece of it as well where they were explaining, like, you, you've got the, the birth and creation of the universe and you're seeing how all of these different things are colliding and and creating the universe but then you also get to see that from jack's perspective and how all of these things are creating his universe so it you're really it, it just it's so funny where again if you're not thinking about it right away it doesn't make sense but when you just take a couple of seconds to kind of see those correlations it's like it makes perfect sense of why why he put this 20 minute creation scene in there and then why there's stuff at the end, like how the, you know, it, and even the, the first few lines of being the, the difference between uh, the way of nature and the way of grace. And again, never really hit me on that first viewing, but the more that I watched it, and, and I'm sure you caught it before I did, but the more you watch it, it's like, okay, well, you know, nature is his father and grace is his mother. And you're seeing how somebody can be torn between those two things throughout their life and you see how that is effective in nature as well of, you know, all of this time that the universe is being created is the way of nature. But then you get that scene with the dinosaur and they're one of the special features confirmed. That is what it is. Stevie, he, the guy said that, that he said mallet. And this was so cool. I mean, th again, those insights in, in were just so amazing. He said, Malik was very adamant that he wanted dinosaurs in the movie, but he was very adamant that he wanted them to be not the main dinosaurs. He was, he said he specifically wanted them to be like the B level dinosaurs that are a Tyrannosaurus or something, because he wanted to capture a moment of just right re regular life for the dinosaurs and how a very simple act of grace from the one dinosaur, which they, they said the name, I've actually never heard of that dinosaur with all my knowledge. Uh, but he said, you know, him, him stepping on the dinosaur and then letting it go is shows that even in those minute moments with these basic dinosaurs that you're seeing, there are moments of grace in that. And it just, again, it enhances the movie for me so much to think, and the, you see it in all of the special features of Malik having these, He's so involved in every single scene. And so you would think, oh, this is just, you know, whatever. It's a dinosaur scene. But it's like, you don't realize how active he was in just that scene to say, I need it to be these dinosaurs. He wanted them to be very uh, muted colors. And uh, so that the, like, so there's basically nothing special about it just to show that it's a, it's a day in the life, which I thought was really cool. Yeah.
the other thing in terms of nature and grace, I mean, just another uh, dimension of that. I think this was a few years back when I was reading uh, East of Eden. Uh, that book deals a lot with sort of the Cain and Abel thing. And when I was reading that and, you know, brushing up on the Cain and Abel story in the Bible, I realized that basically you have a lot of that in this movie too. I think with Jack and his younger brother and, you know, like you said, nature and grace is obviously the parents, but I think you can see it with the two brothers as well. And obviously there's Ty Sheridan, but he plays a pretty minor role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jack is obviously taking after his dad. He's more the nature character. He's Kane. And then his younger brother is more like his mom. He's more graceful and he's kind of able. And you have obviously the some physical violence between them that I think reminds me of that too. So I, I don't think you've read East of Eden, no. but uh, it's a, that's a, that's a tome. I would call that a tome. It's a very, <laughs> very big book, but I love it. And I think that, you know, just reading that added a whole other layer to this movie too. Cause I was like, man, it's just, you know, it's the, it's this timeless tale of all this stuff. And, you know, in terms of it's been going on since the beginning of time, just cool to see that expressed in different ways. Yeah. And it's, it's so cool too. And I, th- I think just to see how, and I think we forget how the, it's those really small moments when you're growing up, when someone says something or does something to you, and it doesn't even have to be your parents, but it can be someone else like the, the kids at school sort of thing where you don't realize it in that moment. And sometimes you even forget about it, but it's like, those are those formative moments where you're really becoming who you are and figuring out who you are. And I, I loved how the extended version really dove into that a lot more with uh, kind of going back and learning a little bit about uh, his father's father and uh the the cool thing too they mentioned it in the special features didn't really realize it in the movie but you know they have that scene where he's going over to the other kid's house and uh it's like that decrepit house and the dad's super abusive and the mom just kind of waltzes around the house like a ghost sort of thing and there's those scenes where they were he was like throwing stuff up at the light and then throwing the football at the deer's head and all of that and i originally i was like oh did they break into this house and they're just gonna kind of wreck the house and uh but then we saw the other scenes and i kind of forgot about it and i was like oh but then you know they were explaining that 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 scene is in there because those are those were the those formative moments where jack started trying to rebel against his dad and rebel against you know him not slamming the door but you know how he started kind of wavering after that where he's being a little meaner to his brothers and all this so it's just it's so crazy again how you go over to one person's house not really expecting that but something happens there that you internalize as a child and now it starts kind of pushing you to act in a certain way and you see that in a lot of different areas too like when he goes to school at the very end I think they mentioned that that scene is kind of there the way you see it is that that's him sort of healing now that he's away from home he can kind of become the person that he wants to be but yeah i mean it's it's throughout the whole thing you got the whole scene where they're in town and they start seeing all of the very violent people like the guy in the back of the cop car and the there's one strange looking man like a really old man who looked like a skeleton and then the guy who had the bow leg but he was like bow legged 
and you just you you capture those moments where the kids are looking at them and i remember moments like that when i was a kid of like seeing people like that whenever we would you know drive an hour to the city and we had never seen anyone before and it was like oh whoa like this is and and those moments really do affect you and they impact you and they carry things forward through you even though you don't realize it yeah what would you say, uh, and I guess this is a really hard question. Well, let's say it this way. What are some of your favorite scenes from the movie? Oh, boy. That is a good question. Um, that's hard. Obviously, the whole Birth of the Universe sequence is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one that I love. I love the early scenes of when the kids are first born and before we even get to like the, the main portion of the childhood those are great just like because i think that kind of distills the impressionistic aspect a lot with just like very quick moments in the life of the toddler where he like you know bumps into the mirror and gets scared when it comes back at him just like seeing the tiniest little things that you can tell are shaping a person i think that that whole sequence is really cool um man i don't know it's it's really hard because uh, it's hard to think in terms of scenes. Obviously, the movie doesn't have that many scenes, like traditional. Yeah. But there's like countless shots throughout the movie that are just burned in my brain too. I know. So I don't know. It's. I feel like I would just have to go through the entire movie and say every single scene. Is my yeah. Every. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's I hard. Love, I did love how they juxtaposed the river in the dinosaur scenes with the river in Waco. That was pretty cool. Uh, what yeah. you were mentioning. I love the butterfly scene. Oh yeah. He catches the butterfly. That was awesome. And again, and it's like, can you call that a scene? What is it? It's like 15 seconds. Just Jessica Chastain walking around. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's funny too, and I, I, one of the things they were showing, I don't know if you caught this, but you know the scene where her and uh, Brad Pitt fight in the kitchen? Uh, obviously, yeah. complete, it's completely, uh, most of the movie is completely unscripted. They were saying that Terry will, you know, in the morning, he will like give you some lines or let you know kind of what the plot is. But then from there, he's like, just, just kind of feel it out. Actually, I forgot to mention this. This might be one of my favorite things of the movie. I don't know if you noticed this, but when you're looking at that town or that neighborhood, it doesn't feel it never really felt to me like texas but at the same and it but at the same time it never didn't and there was a really great piece of the special features where one of the producers or the production designer uh they basically you know canvassed a bunch of different cities in texas and they went with a place called smithville and they actually bought up permits for that entire neighborhood in so they basically had that entire neighborhood as their set. And so they just had people doing stuff and it was them trying to capture moments of it. So like he said, the, um, the, the butterfly scene was like, they were doing some other bit and Terry, Terry was like, Oh, look, like there's a butterfly, Jessica, look at that. Go like, there's a butterfly. And he was like, Chivo, you know, start rolling. And so like completely unplanned and all of it was, but then like the people playing in the back, those are all people as well of just like, he said that they would have somebody just jumping rope for hours, just in case the characters came out. And just to me, the the level of craft. And he, so he says that, you know, they chose this place and he picked where they were at. He picked the house that they were in uh, because it doesn't look like anything. 
he was like, even though that he said, even though the film takes, and I love this, he said, even though the film takes place in the 1950s, he wanted it to feel like it was any time that when you're watching it through the, uh, and the, the costume designer was saying too, like all of Terry wanted all of the clothes to be completely muted because he didn't want any, he wanted you to be able to focus on their faces and not on their clothing. But he was like, I, it could be any time. It could be the 1920s. It could be the 1980s. It could be Texas. It could be Missouri. It could be Oklahoma. And so it really, and I agree with that. It really resonates with like anyone could look at this. And even though it's like, oh, it's about people growing up in Texas, it's so much more than that. And if you wanted to pretend that it was Oklahoma or something like go for it, because there's really no indication that it is where it is. Yeah, there's not really anything in the movie explicitly telling you that it's Texas anyway. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a few things. I think maybe a few mentions of Waco on signs, but yeah, no one actively is like, "Hey, welcome to Texas." And that, yeah, that's the beauty of not really having a plot is it's you can kind of attach the meaning that you want to it, Mm -hmm. and that makes it timeless, or something that you know can last forever, as opposed to a movie where you watch it and you're like, you just get that feeling where you're like, "Wow, this movie is really outdated." I feel like Tree of Life in a hundred years, people could watch that and still be in awe of it. Yeah. And the, you know, the other thing that I really liked about it too, and in, in watching the features was how most of the creation sequence was practical effects. I didn't realize that as you're we watching it. And I thought that yeah. was the coolest thing ever. And he said the same thing. Terry was saying like, people will know if it's not special effects or if it is special effects. And so they, they really wanted to experiment with different types of science to see what would something like, what could something like this look like? So there's, there's a bit where one of the scenes in there is them pouring milk on something. And there's another one where it's like dust that's spinning on a wheel and, and all of this just absolutely, cr- like they f- flame heated up a sphere, like a metal sphere in one bit. And they had the guy from 2001 A Space Odyssey. I don't remember his name. It's uh, Trumbull, I think is his last name, but he's the guy who consulted on oh, yeah, 2001 yeah. as well. And so he said he was super excited. And I just, that's another thing too, if you guys have the ability to watch these special features, check them out because everyone get, talks about Terry. Like it's, it, and I love that. And I, even I, we all call him Terry now too. I just, he's such an enigma. Like you never see him. You, there's only a few photos of him out there. Everyone talks about him in the highest regard, but at the same time, they all talk about how like dedicated and unrelenting he is about, the, the craft and it really shows in the way that it comes out just fascinating uh but you know what i'm seeing here too that's kind of a tra- travesty is uh it did not win any oscars it, does, it, it could be a travesty but it doesn't surprise me yes agreed uh that's it was nominated for it did get nominated picture. for best picture though. Yeah. best picture best director and best cinematography it was nominated 126 times throughout different i was reading through them of like the Dallas Film Festival. The, there was one for the Denver Society of Film and, and whatever. 116 wins. So the it only didn't win 10 times. And three that was of those mostly times, the Oscars. <laughs> three of those were the Oscars. And I'm looking and I'm just, I'm smiling. Like, and I'll, I'll pull this up because I just think, again, I think people truly, uh, you know, really resonated with this. There's uh, the African American Film Critics Association gave it best picture which is hmm. to me, I was like, wow, um, Alliance of Women Film Journalists. It won for best cinematography, uh, best outstanding achievement by a woman in the film industry, best director. Uh, and then literally, again, it won best picture in Denver as well. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. 
But what, what I think is interesting is, you know, obviously it's one of the, it did well critically that year, maybe not the best because even for critics, you know, Malik's not some, someone that everybody enjoys. And I think some people might think it's too religious or this or that, but by the time we got to the end of the decade, it seemed to be near the top of everybody's lists. Like yeah. it's one of those things that took them years. I love watching or looking on Metacritic when they do like annual roundups and they did one at the end of the decade of kind of surveying all the different lists that critics come up with. And I know tree of life was on a lot. I'd have to look that up, but it's one of those where by the time you get to, you know, however many years later, then you realize, okay, yeah, it really was this big thing that deserves recognition. Mm -hmm. It was really, honestly, it was ahead of its time. And I, I feel like it still is ahead of its time because I can't think of another instance where someone so beautifully was able to capture what memories look like on film, basically. Right. Of like, and again, you'd go, oh, well, there's other ones that, you know, can do that. And it's like, but th did that movie have a 26 minute, you know, bit about how the universe was created? Uh, probably not. <laughs> and yeah, few uh, do. <laughs> you few do. And, and which is funny because, the, and they were saying that too, that this was like the first time that someone had done that. And I was like, really? Because I feel like I've seen it, but maybe I just haven't. Maybe I haven't seen it that way. And maybe what I'm thinking of is the creation sequence in Fantasia. But uh, it's just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I think solidified for me as my favorite movie of all time. And I know I know you've had it there too. But like I said, I I'll admit it. I faltered. Uh, I loved Avengers Endgame, but honestly if i had to pick between the two of them i would i would keep tree of life and you've got that on recording so that's the right decision i think we, we know that yes yeah um, look you can consider the time when avengers was your favorite as sort of a dark age as sort of a black plague and then you know you have to realize that once once nature heals and the, the plague is gone then you hit a renaissance and then then you open your eyes to uh the good art the good art yes yeah hmm. i'm a dark i don't know just something dark. to think about yeah that might be something something to I toss around have, yeah i'm gonna reflect on that on my deathbed there you go that'd be perfect uh any any final thoughts about this masterpiece man uh i'm sure i do have some final thoughts i guess the one other thing i'm trying to think obviously i think about this more when i watch it and i i've done some reviews of it on letterbox i think one of the things that i thought about when I watched the uh, extended version for the first time, you know, I was trying to think of well, which version is better, right? Which is the better. And I think theatrical is obviously the place to start. If you don't like the theatrical, you probably would not like the extended at all. If you do like the theatrical, extended adds a lot of great context. And something that I think would be cool would be, you know, every time you watch the movie, it gets like five minutes longer because it's kind of, you know, the way it's just playing as memories, it's like you're you're going back over these memories and each time you do, it'd be cool if you remember just a little bit more of the story. Yeah. And then each time you go back, just add a few minutes. I, I wouldn't mind if it got longer every time I watched it. Yeah, that's because that's I enjoy really it all. Point. And it, it's funny when it ended, you know, it, it just ends. And when you're sitting there, you could have, you could be like, oh, finally, or you could be like, wait, what? And I feel like a movie like this, I don't even know how they decided when to end it because 
it's like it seems like something that just it doesn't end like that's the whole point of the movies that these things don't end obviously they show those moments where the universe is ending but for this guy like there's no end and, and yeah you've got the whole scene where he's meeting all of the you know all of the people that have impacted his life in different various times but uh it, it I, that would be awesome if it was just a little bit longer every time that'd be the cool that'd be the coolest form of cinema ever yeah that'd be a that'd be a wild experiment yeah, and so I, I was final thoughts for me. Like I said, I think this this movie has changed my life so many times, uh, and really just I don't even know what the word is for it to see something where yeah, it's not the exact same upbringing that we had, but to just feel that emotion of like yes, this this is this is me. Like this this kind of happened to me, and I, I can see why you know they did this and why this happened yada 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 like it just it really is something to be experienced over and over kind of like a memory and uh and so yeah like i said 10 out of 10 just perfect i think personally that's the best the best of the best so yeah what was that wait to see if i'll ever find a movie better well the only other thing that i would say and i'm looking forward to it whenever it does end up coming to criterion is voyage of time but I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd ever be able to compare it to this because it's a documentary, but that, and it's only, you know, half as long, but that's the only other thing that I think could compare to something like this, unless you looked at like another Malik movie, maybe, but a lot of his other movies are based on things. They're not based on like a, you know, his memory of something. It's more so like a historical event. Yeah. Well, wow. I don't, I I'm looking at the time. I don't know how long this recording was, but I, I don't think it's a long recording. And I, I like that because this isn't one of those movies that this is one of those movies you don't need to talk a lot about. I mean, you can, if you want to, but it's like, just go see it, go experience this movie, go sit down, turn the lights out or rent a whole theater and somehow get it on the screen. If I own my own movie theater, one of the theaters would always be playing tree of life. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it has to always be playing. So Stevie, thank you so much for coming on here and talking with us about, about this great film. And for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein. Thanks again, and we'll see you at the movies.